uh, we'd like to introduce to you Justin Benefield. Uh, you might know the Benefield name. <laughs> this is Chris and Mike's son. Justin, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. And uh, so glad that you're here today. Now, I want to say we originally thought that uh, Eddie was going to be gone. And so uh, Eddie got a hold of Justin and said, um, hey, man, can you come on over? And we know that we've got a guest speaker before last week, and we've got one this one. I'm going to be gone. Can you come? And then he found out he wasn't going to be gone. <laughs> but we are super glad you're here. Yeah. So yeah, thanks, and let's here. just give him a nice welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I hope you had a safe trip in. I know there's still a little bit of ice and some stuff in some areas. Um, my wife and I, when we pulled in from Missouri, we were so excited because there was snow on the ground. Uh, where we're at, we haven't seen snow at all. We just got ice when all this stuff came through. So we were so excited. And, and just to answer the question, yes, I am the favorite child in my family. Um, <laughs> Yeah, got to put that out there. No, the story goes, my, my mom and I were having a, a discussion and a talk, just us, and she said, hey, I want you to know that, that we have something in common. We're the middle children in our families. And so the next opportunity that I had, I told both my siblings, hey, mom likes me better, okay? We're the middle children, and I'm the favorite. I'm also the favorite because I brought a grandchild into the picture. Um, so she's the crazy woman. If you don't know, she's the crazy woman running around showing off my absolutely adorable son, uh, who takes all of his looks from his mother. Um, I am so blessed. I have a beautiful wife that God has blessed me with. She's beautiful and smart, and uh, I thank the Lord for her. But, uh, you know, I grew up in Sullivan, and uh, my heart is, is always going to be here. Um, if you ask my wife, when I pulled off the exit there off of 41, um, all the memories just started rushing back of different things. And and I remember coming to this church, and I remember, Bert, I don't know if you remember uh, us tag team in teaching that uh, junior high class. I remember that. That was great times. That was when I really started to get um, my first opportunity to be teaching the Word. I had done worship, but teaching the Word. And, and, and I remember, and Eddie, you, you may remember this, I don't know, but you always used to harass me, just like you harass my brother now which she needs, by the way. But you always would harass me at the end of a service. You'd come up and elbow me and go, hey, when are you going to preach? And I'd say, no, there's no chance, man. I don't, I don't feel that calling. I just feel worship. But you kept elbowing me. And I'll never forget the, the day that the Lord said, Justin, I want you to share the word. I thought of Eddie. And I thought, man, he was praying for me. Why? But he's got some power in that prayer. And, and we have felt your prayers Throughout uh, our whole marriage, um, you know, when we went to Saipan and, and, and got to experience island life and, and ministry over there, we felt your prayers. We feel like you guys have been on this journey with us. And then we were in Tennessee, and, uh, you know, your, your daughter was making fun of me because I have a little bit of a southern accent because I spent some time in Tennessee, I, you know, July and all those things. I, I kind of, you like that? No, 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 no. Um, I'm not that far southern, but... Um, and then now getting to just experience life and do ministry and be a part of an incredible church in Missouri that uh, they allow me to come and share the word uh, with other churches. It's been a blessing. And so uh, this morning I want to I share with you, uh, we're going to start in Hebrews. And if you've got your Bible or if you've got your phone, I encourage you. I'm a student pastor, so I know that you, know, you open your phone up, you can text and play on Facebook. But flip it over to airplane mode and just shut off all those distractions and jump into, the, into Hebrews chapter 11. 
And we're going to be, we're going to be talking about uh, um, a specific woman in, in Scripture that blows me away. When my, when my pastor, he came to me and wanted me to share this message with our church. And when he told me who it was, I said, Pastor, there's, there's absolutely no way. I've only preached twice at our, our, our church. And why would I want to do this? And why would I want to preach this? And he said, no, I believe that God has this message inside of you. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about Rahab. Eddie, you didn't know that one, did you? Surprise you. But we're in Hebrews chapter 11 verses, or just verse 31. And, and, and where we're at in this passage of scripture is, is the author is spelling out this hall of fame, as you would say, of biblical people, um, uh, just people from the Old Testament who, who showed incredible faith like, like Moses and, and, and all those people. And here in, in verse 31, it says, it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. See, she was recognized by the author as someone who had incredible faith. But if you, if you notice, there's, there's, a, there's a label next to her. There's a label. And we're going we're gonna to find out exactly what that, that label means in her story and why, why the author would carry that label along with her, why he would, why he would keep that paired with her. And so to, to really dive into this, we got to jump to Joshua. And, and I, love the, I love the book of Joshua. I love the story of Joshua. You know, I'm a man and I love stories of battles and fighting. Do I have any men out there that like that stuff? Come on, can I get a grunt? There we go, that Tim Taylor grunt from the Home Improvement. But I love stories of that. And I love the story of Joshua and how he just, how he was so faithful to God. How, how he wanted to do everything for God. And so here we have Joshua and the Israelites. And this is after Moses had passed on and they'd entered into the promised land. And they've come to this point and they're, 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 they're going after what God has for them. They're going through and they're conquering the people. They're ridding the wickedness from their land because they know that God wants them to preserve their people, to preserve their faith in him. And so as they're moving through, they come to the city of Jericho. And Jericho is a, is a big, bad place. Okay, you all know the story of Joshua, if you remember the walls of Jericho, and, and they marched around them and all that. At least I do, because I watch the Veggie Tales of it. <laughs> do I have anybody who watched the Veggie Tales? Josh and the Big Wall, or whatever it is. You know, some of that stuff is a little made up, but that one was at least funny. But, uh, so here we have Joshua, and he comes to this, this point in this passage of Scripture. I'm going to move this. I'm going to trip. But we come to this passage of Scripture, and, and, and Joshua's trying to figure out. He's like, we've been through so many battles now. I want to make sure I want to do my homework on the city of Jericho. I want to make sure that we're not going to walk into a trap. We're not going to walk into a situation, and I don't want us to fail. Okay, so, so God tells him, I want you to send out some spies. And so in Joshua chapter 2, this is right where we're going to pick up. Um, Joshua chapter 2, it says, Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp of Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men sent out and, or went out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there the night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. All right, we're going to pause just right there. So here we have Joshua. He did all this, he's trying to do all of his homework to make sure that he knows what he's getting himself into. 
that, that, that God is, is, is wanting him to take the land and God wants him to, to be wise about this. And so, uh, so Joshua sends out some spies. He sends out two spies. And he says, go scout out all the land, especially Jericho. See what we're getting ourselves into. And, and through this process, they, they end up going to the house of Rahab. All right, now, now because we have some children in the room, I'm not going to go into great detail, but, but Rahab was not a very good woman. She was not living the right lifestyle. One would say Rahab got around. Okay, you guys can laugh at that. I tell you what, the more you laugh, the more I'll feel more confident, and then we'll have a better morning, okay? <laughs> more amens you say, the better it'll be. But, but, but Rahab was somebody who, who was not living the correct lifestyle. She was extremely far from what God had for her. She was in sin. She was living a terrible lifestyle. In fact, she was, she was causing other people to sin. She was, she was bringing in men and different things. And so it's interesting that God would bring somebody who's so far from his will into his plan. How, how God would take somebody who, who doesn't want anything to do with him, somebody who isn't even of his own, of, of the people of Israel, and would use them in his plan. And so, so they would stay at Rahab's house. Now, the king found out of Jericho, and the, and the king, king came to, came to his, his soldiers and said, go get him. That we know that the spies are at her house. Go. Now, Rahab's house was built on the side of the wall. You know the walls of Jericho, the big, giant, defensive walls. And so everybody knew where Rahab's house was. And everybody knew what happened at Rahab's house. In fact, in fact, they say that, that Rahab was actually running possibly a brothel out of her home. So here she is, just completely, the farthest you can imagine from God at that time. Who was causing others to sin, who was, who was running a business of sin. And God would use her. And so, so the king sent his, his men. And they would come in. And what I, you find interesting in this is that, that the men just don't barge into the home. The king just doesn't go into the home because he knows what it's, what it's about. He wants to protect his reputation. He doesn't want anything to do with that. She was an outsider. She was an outcast. She was so far from the will of God. We pick up in verse 4. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk at the gates as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax. That's a fun word. She had, laid, she had hid them under bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road, leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gates of Jericho were shut. You see, you see, Rahab had taken them and she realized who they were. She realized what was going on. And so she hid them on the roof underneath bundles of flax. And what she was doing is she was laying out uh, this flax because she was a seamstress. Uh, she, that's what some people believe. Um, she worked with, with linens and she worked with threading and all that stuff. And so she hid them underneath that so the king wouldn't find them. In, in 8, it says, Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. 
We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know that we know what you did to the Sion or to the kings of Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me, she says, swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. So Rahab, understanding what's going on, hides the two spies underneath the flax on top of the roof. She knows all well what's going on. She goes up before they fall asleep and, and carries on a conversation with them. You see, she, she tells them she knows exactly what they're here to do. And she explains that everybody is afraid. Everybody's terrified because they've heard and they've seen the results of the power of God. And she knows that they're next. You see, she recognizes the incredible power of God and just what God can do. She says that they're terrified. Everyone in the, in the city is terrified of what is going to take place. They know they're next. They know, they know they're in the crosshairs. And she's saying, look, please save me and my family. I realize who God is and please save me. You see, Rahab believed. She believed in who God was. She believed in the power of God. She believed in what the people of Israel were doing. And she believed that God could not only destroy her, but God could save her. She realized that God wasn't just a destroyer, but a God of love. And she believed. She believed in God. You see, Rahab also acted. She acted on those beliefs. See, she believed that God could do these things, and she knew that if she didn't take action, and she didn't try to turn to obedience to God, and she, she didn't get involved and try to, to help the situation, that she'd be a part of that destruction. And so her belief in God was so powerful that she acted on it. You see, in our lives, we like to say, yes, I believe in God. But we never put that into action. Faith without works is dead. What that's saying is that if your faith doesn't have actions, like you do stuff with it, it's useless. It's not, it's not doing anything for the kingdom of God. And, and so, so Rahab being so moved by who God is and seeing what the plan was, she knew what the plan was. She believed and she acted. She knew she needed to, to find God. She knew she had to be obedient to God. You see, and then not only did she believe and did she act, and this is the one thing that I think 
I struggle with a lot. That's trusting. That's trusting. See, see she knew that if she was going to have her faith and she was going to be obedient to God, she had to trust in God. It says, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family. Since I've helped you out, give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers, sisters, and all their families. In verse 14, it says, we offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. The men agreed. And, and, and if you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. And in verse 15, it says, then since Rahab's house was built into the wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then when you have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we're not bound by the oath. I accept your terms, she replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. So, so Rahab, after, after recognizing who God is and, and believing, she then acted on that faith, that, that, that revelation of the situation. And then she trusted. She trusted. She asked for help, and then she trusted in it. And if you read in the story, you find that, that when, when the Israelites would come into Jericho, after they marched around the walls for, for seven days and, and on the seventh time, and that's a whole other sermon, I tell you what, that's proof of God taking man and saying, do your part and I'll do the rest. And, and, and as the walls came tumbling down, the only section of the walls that would be left was the house of Rahab. You see, God had honored her belief and her action and her trust. See, he honors us and he, he, he takes care of us when we put our faith in him. When we, when we ask him to be a part of our life, when we have that relationship with him. And he saved Rahab, someone who was so far from him, someone who drug other people into that path, into that destiny. He, he took her and he put her into the plan. So you may be sitting here today saying, I'm so far from God. I just come in and I sit down and that's as far as I feel my faith can go because I'm so dirty. I'm so used up. But God can use you right where you're at. Scripture tells us that God will meet you where you are. But it doesn't say God will let you stay where you are. See, he'll come to you, but then you've got to go with him. You have to have that, that faith with actions. And that's what Rahab had. She had faith with actions. You see, what we can see is that, that the story of Rahab is a story of God's redemption. How because she was, she was dirty and, and, and all these things so far from God, 
It didn't matter because when she was obedient and had faith, that God used her and God can use us. You see, God's redemption is stronger than my past and he's greater than your past. You see, we like to walk around carrying baggage saying, well, I lost this job or, or this marriage didn't work out or, or financially I'm in ruins or whatever it is. We like to carry that around as a crutch, as an excuse. But God's greater than that and he can overcome all of those things and he can use you to do incredible things. God's greater than your past. God's redemption is also greater than your present. Whatever situation that you are in right now, God is bigger, God is greater. God can use you. God had people walk around walls and he caused them to fall down in Jericho. Whatever obstacles in your life right now, God can remove them if you allow him. God is greater than your present. And God is greater than your future. You see, we all understand that the mistakes that we make usually results in consequences and situations. I have a, I have a man that I work with. His name's Jason, and I love Jason. Jason's got tattoos up and down his arms. He's got nose rings and... Uh, all sorts of earrings and piercings. And I love working with Jason. He's only been a, a Christian for about two years now. And right now, he's in the middle of his parole from some of the mistakes that he's made. But you see, Jason understands that even though he can't leave the state, and even though he has to meet once a week, and even though he has all these obstacles of why he can't do ministry, he's sitting at a table every week with ninth and 10th grade boys just be an example of following and serving God. You see, we like to look at our future and say, well, it's going this way or, or this person has said my future is going this way. But God can redefine that. And when God comes into our life, he takes our, our future and he says, no, you're not gonna go down that path. I don't have that for you. I have this for you. I have this plan for you. And the beauty of this plan, and I love this, is, is God didn't just look around and say, well, I got leftovers, and I'm gonna take these leftovers and I'm gonna make this plan. I'm gonna try to fit this person into this plan and, and maybe it'll work out. No, God created you for the plan, for your future, for your potential. He didn't look up there and say, well, I guess that one, you know, B3, I guess that might fit. No, God created you and designed you for exactly the plan and future that you have. You're not leftovers. You're not a mistake. I'm here to tell you this morning, whether you've been a Christian your whole life or you're brand new or maybe not, whatever you're holding on, you can let go because God's redemption is greater. He's greater than all of it. Now, this is my favorite part of the story of Rahab. Y'all remember that scarlet, red rope that hung out the window. You see, that's symbolic of something. The great uh, preacher, Adrian Rogers, 
once preached a sermon on the red river of blood that flows through the Old Testament. And it's, it's the symbolism of the blood of Jesus Christ. It, it happened in the garden when, when the animals were sacrificed to clothe Adam and Eve. It, it happened in, in the story of, of um, I can't remember now, but all over the place. There's so many stories of the blood of Jesus Christ covering. And we can see that in our own lives. We can see that in the New Testament. But when we look for the symbolism, we see it all over the Old Testament. And that scarlet red rope that hung from the window of Rahab's house symbolized that she was covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. See, even before Jesus came, it was the blood of Jesus Christ. It was the blood of the Lamb. It's the blood that covers all. And when you're marked by the blood of the Lamb, you're God's child. Scripture tells us in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 that you're chosen. You're a royal priest in the family of God. He adopted us. He paid the price for you. I don't know about you, but when I buy something with my own money, I take care of it. I treasure it. And Scripture tells us that that's what God did. He bought you. And he's there to take care of you. In your life, do you have that scarlet red rope covering you, showing that you have the blood of Jesus Christ? This morning, we're going we're gonna to have another worship song, and, and it talks about, oh, come to the altar. And it was, it was crazy because this morning I was flipping through my Facebook feed because I'm a millennial and that's what I do. Okay, I spend too much time on social media. But I was flipping through and it stopped on the man who wrote that song. And as I watched it, he said, we almost threw that song out. We almost got rid of it. It wasn't coming together. But he said, when we realized just how powerful it could be, we held on to it. We saw the, the potential in it. And God sees the potential in you. Whatever stage of life you are. And I know this altar that's down here sure looks pretty, but I bet, I bet Eddie would love to see knee marks all over this. People getting down and praying and, and seeking God. You see, maybe there's something in your life this morning that you need to let go of. You need to realize that you've been redeemed and you've been set free. You need to, to let go of all the mistakes, all the baggage. And you need to run to Jesus Christ. And you need to allow him to walk with you. So this morning as we sing, worship. Pray with me. Father God, we just thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for stories of Rahab. How, Father, you would use someone so far from God to be an example that no matter what we do, we can't run too far from you. That you can use us. Father, that, Lord, Lord, we're not hopeless. We're not too dirty. We're not a mistake. That, Father, we're your child. You want us to come home and you want us to be with you. So 
Father, as we enter into this time of worship, Father, may we recognize what we need to lay down, what we need to let go of, and may we have the obedience, the faith to act upon it and let it go. Father, we love you and we praise you. And it's in your name that we pray.